you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Monday, December 11th, 2023. The Feast of the Translation of the Holy House to Loretto. Okay, actually, that was yesterday's feast day, but nobody talks about the Holy House translation to Loretto. It kind of gets triumphed by the Immaculate Conception and then sandwiched right in between Our Lady Guadalupe. And so the Holy House is kind of forgotten. Yesterday, everybody celebrated Our Lady Guadalupe, right? I know at our parish, we celebrated the Feast of Our Lady Guadalupe. Maybe at your parish, you celebrated the... Translation of the Holy House to Loretto. But let me tell you this amazing story. So the miraculous journey from Nazareth to Terrasado in 1291, the Holy House where Our Lady lived in Nazareth was miraculously transported from Nazareth to Terrasado in Dalmatia, which is present-day Croatia, in 1291. The local bishop of Terrasado was gravely ill and was cured after praying to the Virgin Mary. She appeared to him, and let me read to you what Our Lady told the good bishop. So Our Lady appears to this bishop, surrounded by angels. And what does she tell him? She says, my son, you have called for me, and here I am. I came to give you succor and to reveal to you the mystery of the translation of the Holy House. You desire to know. The holy dwelling is the very house where I was born and raised. It was there that I received the good news brought by the archangel Gabriel. And I conceived the divine infant by the operation of the Holy Ghost. It was there that the word was made flesh. After my death, the apostles consecrated this dwelling, illustrious for its great mysteries, and sought the honor of celebrating the august sacrifice there. The altar is the very one that the apostle Peter erected. The crucifix was placed there by the apostles. The small cedar statue is an image of me made by the evangelist Luke, who moved by his attachment and affection for me, expressed through his art my features as perfectly as possible for a mortal. This beloved house, so dear to heaven, highly honored for many centuries in Galilee, but today deprived of due homage because of the general decay of the faith, has been transported from Nazareth to these lands. The author of this great event is God, for whom nothing is impossible. For you to bear witness to all that I am telling you now, you will suddenly be cured and return to full health after the long illness you have borne, so that through you, All will believe in this miracle. And sure enough, the bishop was had a sudden cure. And so he then preached the truth of the Holy House, emphasizing the fact that the Holy House was consecrated by the apostles. Isn't that it's so fascinating, especially considering the altar is lined up right against the wall there. And they could only say mass there at Orientum. A very interesting factoid. Now, after the Muslim takeover of Albania in 1294, fearing the profanation, the Holy House disappeared again. And then it reappeared miraculously in Riconti, Italy on December 10th, 1294, seen by a group of shepherds. 
The a group from Loretto verified the origin of the Holy House by comparing its foundations in Nazareth in Loretto and finding the match. In fact, they traveled to Nazareth and confirmed that the house was no longer in Nazareth. What a grace. So what should we ask for on this feast day? And who should we ask prayers from? Well, one, St. Louis de Mumford, who had an intense devotion to the Holy House, but also in the most perfect way, we should ask for the intercession of the Holy Family. For the Holy Family lived there and our Lord was raised there for 27 years. So then let us ask and pray that in imitation of our Lord, we might have a more profound and intense dependence on Our Lady and, of course, of St. Joseph. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, pray Pray for for us. us. Joining us right now is Rudy Carlos. Good morning to you, Rudy. Good morning, Adrian. Wow. The Holy House of Loretto. Isn't that cool? There's a beautiful prayer in the uh, My Prayer Book. That's uh, by Father Lassance. Really great prayer book, by the way. So just that Christmas is right around the corner. Hey. So if you want to like go and give that to somebody, Christmas you should do shopping. it. Yeah, but there's a prayer for family, and it mentions that our Lord blessed with his presence that holy family, that holy house. And it's a wonderful thing that we talk about, uh, the uh, the House of Loretta today, because it's a it's really like a living museum, and it still exists. That's pretty crazy. You can go and visit it. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, it's pretty awesome, especially when you think about the, the fact that the apostles turned it into a church, and the apostles said mass in that house. That's wild. That's mind-blowing. That's absolutely mind-blowing to me. A very holy place. So praise be to God. So if you've never heard of the Holy House of Loretto, I highly recommend learning a little bit about that amazing devotion. Now, coming up in this hour, there are tons of things that are really interesting. Um, A couple things that are kind of sad, rather, and a rather story that I saw this morning that I thought was kind of funny. And so we're going to talk about all these stories. For instance, here's one headline, priest killed in 100th attack on a Catholic church this year. So that's going to be one of the stories we talk about at 15 past the hour. At 30 past the hour, Dr. Katerna will be joining us to discuss classical education and the rise in homeschooling. This will be a great conversation. Looking forward to it with Dr. Katerna. And in the next hour... We're almost to Christmas. Can you believe it? You need to get your Christmas shopping done. But today, you know, last week we meditated upon judgment. The week before we meditate, meditated upon death. And this week we're going to meditate upon hell. And so join us in the next hour. We're going to talk about hell. And we have our fear and trembling game show. But let's begin with prayer. We're going to be praying for your intentions. We're going to be praying for the salvation of souls, the liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church, for our friends, family, and benefactors, and all those we promise to pray for. In a special way, we pray for my grandfather. He had a miraculous cure, but also for my friend's son, Nicholas, who was born four months too early that he survived the uh, development In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. O divine infant Jesus, I have recourse to thee. Please, through thy blessed mother, assist me in this necessity, because I firmly believe that thy divinity can help me. 
I hope with confidence to obtain thy holy grace. I love thee with all my heart and with all the strength of my soul. I repent sincerely of my sins, and I beg thee, O good Jesus, to grant me the strength to triumph over them. I resolve never more to offend thee, and I come to offer myself to thee with the intention of enduring everything rather than to displease thee. Henceforth, I desire to serve thee with fidelity, and for the love of thee, O divine infant, I will love my neighbor as myself. All-powerful infant, O Jesus, I implore thee again, assist me in this need. Grant me the grace of possessing thee eternally with Mary and Joseph, and of adoring thee with the angels in the heavenly court. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. You're listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And here are some of your uh, headline news this morning. Moms of babies with abnormalities slam Texas ruling allowing abortion for fetal diagnosis. Travis County District Judge Maya Guerra Gamble gave a temporary restraining order on Thursday, December 7th, suspending the application of Texas's current abortion laws and allowing Kate Cox to kill her unborn child by abortion at 20 weeks because of fetal diagnosis. That the child uh, had a full trisomy 18, a chromosomal abnormality that is often fatal before birth or soon after. One mom, who gave birth earlier this year to conjoined twins, baptizing them and confirming them during the few hours they lived on Earth, said addressing Kate Cox, quote, How will you honor your baby, his or her, her life? How will you be able to uh, get handprints or footprints if they're killed by your hand? I'm able to sleep at night, knowing that my girls were loved and held their whole life. Kate, if there's a hospital that is willing to help you and your baby, please travel wherever necessary. There are people who are willing to help you, whatever the need. I also was offered to abort and kill my twins, but I wouldn't be able to live with the guilt that my children were murdered because of me. Why add suffering to your baby's life?" Unquote. And a Catholic priest in a small Nebraska community was killed after being attacked in a church. A Catholic priest in a small Nebraska community died on Sunday after being attacked in a church rectory, authorities said. The Reverend Stephen Gutzel was attacked during an invasion at the rectory of St. John the Baptist Catholic Church in Fort Calhoun, Nebraska, the Archdiocese of Omaha said on Sunday. Gutzel uh, was taken to an Omaha hospital where he died of his injuries. Church officials uh, had mentioned that uh, the population of the town is about a thousand people with roughly 20 miles, uh, it's 20 miles north of Omaha. Authorities took the suspect into custody, Washington County Sheriff Mike Robinson said in a statement, and it's an ongoing investigation. When we get more information, we'll let you know. And uh, nearly half of men think that they can safely land a plane in an emergency, a survey finds. Personally, I think I could. <laughs> Quite a few people, according to a poll by YouGov, think it's doable. A survey published in January shows about one-third of adult Americans think that they can safely land an airliner with the help of air traffic control. And the confidence rate climbed nearly 50% among male respondents. This uncommon scenario pops up in the news from time to time, especially in small planes. Last year, a passenger landed a single-engine aircraft in Florida after his pilot passed out. He managed a successful landing with the help of a flight instructor and an air traffic controller who talked him down over the radio. But I'm I'm really curious. What say you, dear listener? Please let us know on our social media feeds or drop a comment and let us know. Can you land a plane? Now, those are some of your headline news this morning, but stay tuned on Catholic Drive Time for more.
The gospel of the day comes from Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. Now, this is, of course, the story of the man who had the palsy, who our Lord brought him, or his friends brought him to him, and our Lord forgives him his sins and then tells him to walk. Now, there are a ton of things to talk about in this passage, but I'm only going to focus in on just one thing. When our Lord tells him, son, thy sins are forgiven thee. Now, Cornelius Lapide talking about this uh, quotes Venerable Bede. Venerable Bede says, when he is about to heal, he first forgives the man his sins to show that he was suffering for his faults. End quote. Now, Cornelius Lapide commenting on this says, for men are afflicted with bodily ills, either for the increase of merit as Job and the martyrs or per, for the preservation of humility as St. Paul or for the correction of sin as a sister of Moses and this paralytic or for the glory of God as a man who was born blind or for a beginning of damnation as Herod beat as that this paralytic was carried by four bearers. Now this signifies that a man in the faith of his soul is lifted up by the four virtues. And what are those virtues? Prudence, fortitude, justice, and temperance. Those are the four cardinal virtues and Cornelius Lapide and Venerable Bede are saying that those four virtues are the ones that are necessary for us to develop within the soul because these virtues are at the natural level, but with the grace of God, they are supernaturalized. They are taken up to a higher degree. And those will turn into, of course, we pray for the supernatural virtues of faith, hope, and charity, of which we cannot earn or we cannot work out ourselves. It's a gift freely given by God. Now, it's interesting to note of the vision here by Cornelius Lapide on what these sins or what the illnesses come from. To think about the fact that uh, do we ever really deserve to be healthy? Do we ever deserve to have a comfortable and wonderful life? I was praying the prayer of St. Augustine over the weekend, uh, last Sunday, or yesterday rather, on Sunday, and it talks about how we don't deserve to be healthy. We don't deserve to have good things happen to us. Instead of asking, why do bad things happen to me? We should ask, why does anything good ever happen to me? How is that possible when I'm so wretched? So we should keep that in mind as we go about our day and thank God for all the good things and repent of our sins. For that's what we earn, all the bad things. We'll be right back with more Catholic Drive Time right after this. Don't go anywhere. We'll see you very soon. Within the story of Jesus' birth, lies a sharing of the joy that the shepherds experienced upon seeing the newborn king. It's easy to see joy when we see a young child excited while opening a Christmas present or the laughter while enjoying Easter candy. But often instead we get caught up in the serious side of life and the challenges of the day. Imagine seeing the world around us like a simple child each and every day as a gift from God, full of wonder at creation full of enthusiasm for what the Lord has bestowed upon us. Imagine laughing and sharing in joy with those present around us. Jesus encouraged us to be like children. Let's enjoy what God has given us with simplicity and with joy. 
This has been a bit of Catholic encouragement from Michael Gisandi. Years ago, when I started acting, modeling, and singing in Mexico, my Catholic faith was not the center of my life. It took me many years to discover that success, fame, money, and all the pleasures of the world were not going to fulfill me. I got to a point in my life where I thought I had everything, but I realized something was missing. Thankfully, I began a faith journey that brought me back to God and home to the Catholic Church. You can too. Discover more at CatholicsComeHome.com. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's good to be on with you today. It's always good to be here with you. Even though there are some crazy things going on in the world. Some pretty crazy things. We'll start off with this story. And it's, I mean, it's pretty tragic. The story is priest killed in 100th attack on Catholic Church this year. Uh, reported by CatholicVote.org. Now, this story, of course, is um, Rudy just mentioned it in our in our news break a second ago. Uh, but there's something I wanted to talk about about this. But first, uh, let's look at this. So, authorities identified Carrie Williams, 43, of Sioux City, Iowa, as a suspect in the attack and fatal stabbing. There is no indication at this time that the killer was motivated by anti-Catholic sentiments, and notably, he is known to police as a repeat offender against seemingly random targets. In addition, the victim in this case has been subject to local controversies and once admitted to a large-scale financial theft. Now, the number one thing, of course, on this story is why do we keep releasing people who are known to commit violent crimes? It is very, very clear that we must punish the guilty. It's simply the case. It is not merciful to just let criminals out of prison or to not arrest them or to not try them or to not throw them in prison. That is not mercy because mercy to the guilty in these kind of circumstances is actually cruelty to the innocent. It is injustice to the innocent. This priest would still be alive if this guy was thrown in prison and kept in prison. Considering it's according to this article, he was known to police as a repeat offender of attacking people at random and admitted to large scale financial theft. So how does this guy still walking the streets? This is a very terrible thing that we just allow these things to keep happening over and over again. If we talked about every single story that came up in regards to in regards to people that should have been in prison killing somebody, how many deaths have happened just because we refuse to punish criminals? We can't have mercy on people who are not seeking mercy. We can't have mercy on people who are not repentant. You have to have repentance. You have to have amendment of life in order to have mercy. If we just show mercy to people who have no intention of changing their lives, what do we expect to happen? 
of course they're going to just have the exact same thing happen. Now, St. John the Baptist parishioner Mike Fitzgerald said that Father Gutzel has been here for 11 years, and he thought he was a very holy man. He said he did a lot of things for this community. He has always made sure the bulletin had everything in it that we needed to know about things going on in the church. Now, we should definitely be praying for the repose of the soul of this priest. We pray that he was in a state of grace when he died. The Archdiocese of Omaha is asking for the prayers for his repose of his soul and for his family and for the St. John the Baptist Parish community in this tragic time. Now, the other thing that's interesting, and I and almost, I hate to say this, but almost more important, is the rise in attacks on Catholics. Now, of course, this particular attack could have been just random. It may not have been a targeted attack against Catholics. However, Catholic Vote reports since civil unrest began in May 28, 2020, following the death of George Floyd, there has been at least 384 attacks against Catholic churches in the United States. This is from Catholic Accountability Project Director Tommy Valentin. At least 219 attacks have been perpetrated against Catholic churches since the draft of the Supreme Court opinion proposing to reverse Roe v. Wade was leaked early May 2022, with many including graffiti with pro-abortion messages. Crucially, while a handful of attacks have been have included theft, the vast majority have only involved property destruction, indicating that the primary motive is not material gain. Valentin explained that in the vast majority of these cases, the perpetrators are never prosecuted. Catholic Vote has found evidence of an arrest in connection with an attack against the church in only about 25% of cases. The DOJ is recommending zero jail time to a transgender person who cost $30,000 in damages, smashing church windows and even spray painting a church employee's face in Washington State. And a Washington, D.C. man won't see time behind bars after pleading guilty to a misdemeanor for destroying three saint statues at a Catholic school. Now, you should check out the entirety of the article. Because it lists some other attacks that are happening. And if you go to the Catholic Vote site, pinned at the very top of their site, is tracking the attacks on pregnancy centers and pro-life groups. And they're a tracker for the attacks on Catholic churches. And it will list a lot more details there if you would like to see that. They have a, a map. And it's interesting to look at and see where does your state line up on that. For instance, if I check out Texas, there has been eight. Teen attacks on Catholic churches since 2022. This is a very, or sorry, since 2020. So that's a very concerning situation. Very, very concerning. And we have to keep an eye on this because this is how these things start. They start off with attacks like graffiti, smashing statues, and it only gets worse from there. The anti-Catholic bigotry is growing. And we have to remember that Christians in general are the most persecuted in the religion in the world. And it always has been the case. And people don't like to talk about that. We don't like to, we have to pretend that that's not true because we live in America where the United States, it seems like Christians have lots of freedom. We have, we're not oppressed in America, at least on the surface level. 
And so we kind of ignore the fact that the vast majority of genocides throughout the world are against Christians. The vast majority of oppression of peoples across the world are primarily against Christians. Primarily against Catholics, but Christians in general. Catholics being the majority of those. So let's keep that in our prayers and on our minds to just be aware that this is happening. Now, this other story kind of going on to something a little bit more lighthearted. I thought this was really funny. Uh, not just, I don't really, I don't really know why this is making national news, but it is kind of funny to me because of the headline. A diocese hosts local world youth day to evangelize the teenagers. Now, I don't have anything to say about the actual event because I don't know what happened at the event or anything like that. I'm sure it was fine. I just think it's hilarious that they're calling it a local world youth day. It's like a contradiction in terms. It's like calling it a like jumbo shrimp. Um, it's like, is it jumbo or is it a shrimp? One or the other. It can't be both, right? And so they're like, a local world youth day. So is it a we invited world youth day? the world to come to our youth day. <laughs> right. In well, Texas. So you would, okay, you would might expect, oh, it's a local road youth day. They're inviting everybody to come into their local diocese, right? Well, it says it was, <laughs> is for the Diocese of Lubbock and they advertised it to the Diocese of Lubbock. So it's the World Youth Day. So it's the quote, it says, quote, this is an opportunity for youth from the Diocese of Lubbock to come to the community and walk with the faith. Now, is World Youth Day in quotes like World Youth Day? Yeah, it says that they were they were um, inspired by World Youth Day, and that's the reference. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, well, there you go, folks. <laughs> okay, uh, that, the things like that always I think I always think they're hilarious when people have those like contradiction in terms. So did you go? I did. I flew out to Lubbock. Uh, no, I didn't. No. <laughs> uh, but actually, side note, I did have a really good weekend though. You did. I traveled over to San Antonio um, without Rudy Carlos because he bailed on me at the last second. True. true. And uh, I went to Sanctus Ranch and they had this awesome display of the Advent display. They had like a local theater troupe where they acted out the journey to Bethlehem of like going to meet the, the Christ child. And it was really cool. It was really cool. They did a really good job. Richard Reina's son was one of the soldiers. Oh, uh, so it was kind of fun to to see that, and he it was all, all around. It was a really good time. I got to talk to some people there, and they had hot chocolate afterwards. I burned my palate. It was hot great. Mm. Um, my mouth was on fire. I was like, "Darn, I should not have drinking that hot chocolate." But if you're in the San Antonio <laughs> area, you should check it out. They're doing it for one more weekend, especially for kids. It was it was really good, and they had a, a good lessons. I'd like to tell you about some of the things, but I don't want to spoil it. So. If you live in the greater San Antonio area, think about checking it out. It was pretty awesome. I was very impressed. I was had I didn't have like super high expectations for it, but it exceeded my expectations. So I was very impressed. I, I thought they did a great job. And the land was really Oh, and you could see the stars. That was cool. I mean, being in Houston, it's always uh it's always difficult to try to see the stars and uh that's just, you know, one of the sad things about the situation we have today. Okay, last story that I want to bring up. Uh, oh, here's a quick question for you. Are, do you care about the GOP debate they just had? Uh, do you care about the debate that Ron DeSantis had with Governor Newsom? Because I watched those things. I mean, there's some interesting things to talk about. There are some things that I thought were kind of funny. But at the end of the day, it was pretty inconsequential. So I think I'm probably just going to not ignore it and not talk about it unless you're interested in it. 
in which case I will talk about it. So leave a comment in our social media feeds. Look up Catholic Drive Time on your social media feeds. Let me know. Uh, maybe we'll talk about it tomorrow if people are interested. But okay, last story that I wanted to bring up is Conservative Dad's Ultra Ripe Beer launches limited edition 2024 calendar featuring, quote, real women. This story it really, really bothers me because the right, quote unquote, the conservatives always do things like this. So they have a calendar with scantily clad women and they're like, oh, we're the ultra right. We want to put up pictures of women in bikinis. But it's no. okay because they're conservative women. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Because they're like, oh, well, they're actual, they're real women. So they're not, they're not men dressed as women. <laughs> so therefore we're conservative. No. If you're conservative, you're not going to be putting up women in bikinis on your, on your calendars. What is, what is wrong with you people? And conservative dads? Is that really the, the, the brand you want? Oh, I'm a, I'm a dad. I have pictures of women in bikinis that I look at. What about your wife? What about your daughters? Like, what do you, I, the conservative movement, this is the, the best thing that GK Chesterton ever said was progressives are really good at ruining things and conservatives are really good at making sure they never get fixed. And that is so true because all conservatives do is try to say, oh, we're going to be the left from 10 years ago or from five years ago even. And what's the point? What's the point if that's what we're fighting for? So let's not be ultra-right conservative dads. Instead, let's be Catholics. Let's be Catholics because that's the only correct solution. The only solution is a divine intervention. The only solution is to return to the faith. We'll be right back with Dr. Katerna right after this. Hi, this is Trent Horn from Catholic Answers. Has someone ever told you, I'm not pro-abortion, I'm pro-choice? If this happens, you should ask the person, what's wrong with being pro-abortion? If they say, nobody likes abortion, keep digging, even if it gets awkward, and calmly ask, well, why don't they like abortion? And don't let the person simply say, it's because bringing life into the world is a good thing. Abstinence also prevents life from coming into the world, but abstinence is not like abortion. Abortion doesn't just prevent life from beginning, it violently ends a human life waiting to be born. Once the other person is willing to accept abortion does this, you can ask him, what is the difference between supporting violence and merely supporting the choice to commit violence? This has been Trent Horn with a Catholic Answers Pro-Life Minute. For my free booklet that will make you better at defending human life, visit whywearepro-life.com. I turned from a recreational drug user to a drug addict. That took me to my knees. I lost a family, almost two families. I lost friends. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person. I love it. I love it. My heart's there. I took communion after 18 years, and I, the rest of the Mass I sat and cried. God restored my life. God restored my family. God restored my love. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here are more breaking news and headlines for you. Here's an update to the Bishop Strickland story. Bishop Strickland was advised to leave the Tyler Diocese, but he can still say Mass there. 
Retired Bishop Joseph Strickland has been advised to leave his former Diocese of Tyler, Texas, but has not been told that he can't say Mass publicly there. He told the National Catholic Register, CNA's EWTN news partner. I have received no such instruction, Bishop Strickland said in a text on Thursday night, responding to a report that he had been barred from saying Mass in the diocese. If we get any other updates, I'll share them with you. And uh, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, the dynamic deacon, is in town. One of the most passionate Catholic evangelists in the country is urging the faithful to get back to the basics. This Advent in preparation for Christmas. Uh, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, also known as uh, the dynamic deacon, says that there are a lot of challenges to the church today, which is why daily prayer, attending Mass, and going to the Eucharistic adoration is so important for us and can help us from going astray. He says our culture pushes ideologies that undermine our faith. Deacon Harold is in the Houston area today speaking on the Eucharistic revival and how lay people can draw closer to Christ through his mother Mary. Visit the St. Angela Marici website for more info, but uh, here's a little news clip of uh, what you can expect at that talk. The big one is more relativism. That may be true for you, but that's not true for me. That may be your truth, that's not my truth. I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. That whole attitude, all I have to do is be a good person. I don't need religion, I don't need faith, I don't need doctrine, I don't need dogma, I don't need sacraments. All I need just is to be good. Well, guess what? Atheists can be good. That has nothing to do with it. Our faith is much deeper than what the culture has to offer. We need to have a voice that counters the culture. This is the beautiful message of the gospel this weekend. John the Baptist preparing the way for the Lord, making straight his path. Because right now, things are all over the place. Things are very confusing. But Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So truth is not an idea of philosophy. Truth is a deep encounter with Jesus Christ. Thank you for that. And finally, meet the Franciscan friar who baptized St. Juan Diego. In the wake of the Spanish conquistador Hernán Cortés's conquest of the Aztec Empire, pagan temples were torn asunder and Catholic churches were built in their place. Franciscans were the first missionaries to arrive in the region and began their work sharing the gospel and converting the native people from the darkness of paganism. One such Franciscan was Pedro de Gante, a musical prodigy from Ghent, Flanders. He took his musical prowess to Mexico, where he trained the local indigenous singers who worked at the cathedral in Mexico City. Gante believed that education and religion should be natural parts to one's everyday life. He studied the native language of the indigenous people and was able to teach them in their own dialect as well as in Spanish. Juan Diego, the messenger of Our Lady of Guadalupe and his wife, were one such couple who were baptized by Degante and took new names, Juan Diego and Maria Lucia. The two are considered some of the first native couples to be baptized in Mexico. The legacy of brother Pedro Degante lives on a symphony of culture, faith, and education that echoed across centuries, a testament to the transformative power of charity for one's neighbor, which led to the conversion of millions to the one true faith. Now, those are some of your headlines this morning. Thank you for listening to Catholic Drive Time, and may God bless all of your holy efforts today. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Now, I did think that was a great little piece from uh, Deacon Harold. Oh, yeah. The dynamic Deacon. Uh, Let me tell you about the website. The website link is a little difficult to say. It's uh, S-T-A-M-E-R-I-C-I. GH.com. So it's like a really difficult website. But if you go onto Google and type in St. Angela Marici Catholic Church, Missouri City here in Texas, you can find more information there about the event.
<laughs> Dude, I, why do people make complicated it, it, URLs? Ah, it kills me. It kills, kills me, me every it's time. Bad marketing. I'm like, oh. But then all the, all the like acronym URLs have been taken. That's true. And so you're like, oh, what what can I what can I get that that works? That's not too complicated. Gotta ask ChatGPT. Like I was talking, <laughs> we you and I were talking about um, this new site. I was saying it's Scanner, but it's spelled S C N R. And I think you were the one telling me you're like it probably was just like that's the four letters they could get, and so they were like <laughs> it's too expensive to buy Scanner.com, right? And so they were just like we'll, we'll just put it S C N R, and then we'll pronounce it Scanner, right? But then it'll be easy to look up Scanner S C N R dot com. Uh, so there you go, folks. That's that's the internet age for you. Is uh, we need to figure out how to clean up our URL system. That 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 whole system is just chaos, utter utter chaos. But Speaking of chaos, the school system is, in fact, utter chaos. And joining us right now to talk about trying to move in a better direction for our education system is Dr. Katerna. She is the principal of Cathedral High School and also an expert in classical education uh, with a Ph.D. in liturgical studies. Uh, You're also the co-author of a new book as well on liturgy. Is that right, Dr. Katerna? Oh, sorry. You got to get your mic on. There you go. Thank you. Um, yes. So uh, last year, our new book from Ascension Press came out. Uh, it's called Solemnities, Celebrating a Tapestry of Divine Worship. It's, uh, it's a beautiful book about the solemnities of the liturgical year. Awesome. Praise be to God. And is that like at a, at a popular level? Who is that book for? I know we're not talking about the book, but I'm just curious. Yeah, that book is really, it's kind of like a coffee table book in the sense that it's a really beautiful book that you can leave out with gorgeous pictures, beautiful sacred art. Um, and then also meditations on the liturgy, on the readings for the liturgical year for each of the solemnities, as well as suggestions for how you could live that out oh. in the home, in the domestic church. And so it's really for everyone. It's for people with little kids, people with no kids um, at any age. Uh, it's really a beautiful book that we wanted to be heirloom quality. Okay, is, is well, how the publisher described it. Thank you. I'm looking. I could have checked that book out. Maybe we'll have to have you back on to talk about that. Yes. Um, but the the topic for today is classical education because man, they see the stories that coming out of out of schools and i was talking with a friend of mine over the weekend and they were we we're just chatting about different things and i mentioned uh emperor charlemagne and they're like who's that mm-hmm. and i was like you don't know who emperor charlemagne is like you never even heard the name like i get it if you didn't read the song of roland or you don't know the details but he was like one of the most significant figures in europe of the last 2,000 years, right. to not know his name was just shocking to me. Uh, so let's start from the beginning. What's the bad news? How did, what, where, where are we at in terms of education? Well, you know, what happened is, especially in the 20th century, as we entered the 20th century, there was a movement towards uh, the idea of practical education, that education wasn't, the school system wasn't about, um, you know, educating great minds, Maybe they didn't say it that way, but we needed really practical things. We need people who can, you know, go out and do jobs. And uh, especially with the movement towards uh, more and more people going to college after high school, completing all 12 years of schooling and then moving on to college, there became this push for uh, the, the practical nature of we needed skills in school so that we can go to college so we can have a good job. And there was a disassociation from the life of the mind, uh, from education. And this is where uh, you start to see a split 
in terms of schooling systems. And so um, there are not that many examples that we can give of where there's kind of a, you know, a dual system going on at the same time, but one um, facet would actually be in Nazi Germany, right? So the idea that there was like a higher schooling system that was for someone who was going to go on to do like the higher sciences, like philosophy and theology, um, but then also a schooling system that was intended for more practical use. We're going to go on so that we can, we're going to have practical classes in math and language, and that's what we need so that we can have a job, so we can be good worker bees. And so the, the attitude became about the practical nature that we don't need to worry about, uh, these ideas of the past. Who needs to study Latin? Who needs to study, um, Plato? And who needs to read, uh, Aristotle? But, we need to read things that are practical right now. We need to read about our current history and we need to know basic math and accounting. Well, those aren't bad aims, right? To have practical, you know, application to our education. That's not a bad idea. But once you start to lose its context, you become um, attuned to a world that is simply driven by this particular uh, desire for achieving a checkbox. And that's not what we're made for. We're made for something so much more. It's not about simply checking the boxes to get the right education so we can get into college so we can have a good job. Fine. I mean, I do, I, I want to, I, I want you to be able to put a roof over your head, of course. But there's so much more than that. What's beyond that? Is that really the purpose of what we're doing? We asked, um, our students recently at Cathedral High School about what's the point of this movement of classical education? Uh, what's the purpose of Cathedral High School or what's the purpose of schooling in general? And they said, to get to heaven. Mm, That's wow. the right answer, right? What are we made for? We're not just made to be a worker bee mm -hmm. who does their job, goes home, does their job, goes home. Right. What's after that? Yeah, you I mean you have this this epidemic of people who sit there and they they ask, is is this all there is? Is this everything? Is, right. is doing the same thing over and over again? We're gonna go to a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about Catholic schools, where we got to, and where we are going. Because there is some bad news, but there is hope on the horizon. I'm looking very much forward to it. So we'll be right back with Dr. Katerna. More right after this. Don't go anywhere. We'll see you very soon. Whenever morality comes up in discussions, some atheists argue the behavior patterns we call morality are merely the product of evolution, naturally selected for the survival of our species. But is this true? The answer is no, and here are some reasons why. First, if it were true God didn't exist and our moral behaviors were merely the product of evolution, well then the dictates of our evolved nature wouldn't express the will of a being beyond man. As such, there would be nothing to morally bind man's will and thus no moral obligation. Second, what if the behaviors we judge now as wrong, such as rape and murder, become beneficial for our species in the future? According to the atheistic evolutionary account, they would have to be morally acceptable. But these conclusions are absurd. Moral obligation does exist, and rape and murder will always be wrong. Therefore, evolution is not sufficient to explain morality. I'm Carlo Brusard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Ever feel like life's just too much? Maybe it's time for a change. God offers us relief and hope. 
So if you're feeling like you need more peace today, begin at catholicscomehome.com. I used to wonder if God really cared about me. Then I started praying and going to church. I realized that God in my life was the difference between occasionally being happy and finding lasting joy. If you're looking for something more, check out catholicscomehome.com. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's so good to be with you today. It's always good to be here with you on a beautiful Monday morning, a chilly Monday morning. I need to get a, a big spoon for that chili. Uh, oh, sorry. A different kind of chili. My, my mistake. My mistake. It was really cold. I was kind of shocked. I was, I woke up and I immediately wanted to turn back around, pull my blankets in and not get out of bed. Uh, but praise be to God. I got out. You got out of bed and we're, we're in this together. It's a cold morning, but, uh, here in Houston. Oh, well, people in the north are like, 35 degrees? What? Yo, it's hot over there. I'm wearing shorts in 35 degree weather. Right. Our friend uh, Alan Smith uh, <laughs> from the great white north of Canada, he's like, it's like negative 20 right now. Uh, so there you go, folks. There you go. But I guess it's uh, in in that sense, I guess weather weather is relative. Okay. Some things are relative. All right. Joining us right now is Dr. Alexis Caterna. She's the principal of Cathedral High School. She's an expert in classical education. And we're talking about the state of the school system, um, but about where we can go because classical education is, in fact, on the rise. And I love to see it. Uh, Thank you for joining us, Dr. Caterna. Thank you so much for having me this morning. Praise be to God. It's good to have you on. Now, before we went to a break, we were talking about the state of the school system, how we kind of got here, the, the kind of move towards a practicality versus an understanding of of what school is actually for, which you said was to get to heaven. Now, what about Catholic schools? We kind of think my I my parents, praise be to God, they took out way too much money to uh, took out loans to send me and my siblings to Catholic school and with the hopes that we'd get a better education. And we did. We got a very rigorous education. We, My brother talks about how, because he did, he was like a straight C, B student in high school. And for college, he was a straight A student. Because the, the level of high school difficulty versus college. He's like, college is easy in comparison to, to our high school. And, but, you know, we didn't really learn much else outside of just your math, science, that stuff we did great on, everything else, it was kind of, you had a religion class, and that was about it. Uh, so what is the state of the Catholic school system? Well, I think we find ourselves at an interesting kind of crossroads, right? The Catholic school system for the last, you know, 40 years or so has really adopted a lot of the ideas of the public school system, um, partly to just stay in competition, right? We, uh, we want to make sure that we achieve at least the same standards as, as the public school system. And I think that that's too minimal of a goal at least the same standards of the the public school system, uh, maybe with a religion class or some service projects. Well, what happens there is you lose the idea of what we're actually meant to be doing in a Catholic school. 
Um, now, certainly, we do want to make sure we've covered all of the basics of, of what we think that an education should have, but it has to include so much more. There has to be a context for the history that we're studying. There has to be a context for the literature that we're studying. And so there's been a recovery in the last probably 10 years. This movement has really started to spread across the country and movement towards Catholic classical education. Now, all this means is really, in some ways, returning to the way we used to educate students. And so kind of removing from ourselves these, uh, you know, educational methods and goals of uh, John Dewey and others like that, um, who, who really wanted to um, ask about the, the minimum basics that you have to have to go out into the workforce and return to the idea that there's a deeper education. We want students to learn how to think. I don't want you to just learn how to repeat an answer to a question or apply a formula. That's very minimal, uh, especially in terms you know, of a math class or something. The idea of, of just filling in a formula, well, we could train you know, a monkey to well, do that. Well, it's even worse than that because we're not even, even, not even teaching them to put it to memory. We're putting it into short-term memory. They learn it long enough to pass the exam because, I mean, how many times – I mean, I think I relate to this, I'm sure – Everybody can relate to this is you get asked something. You're like, you know, I heard something about that in school. I don't remember. I don't remember. We learned that at school sometime. But because they're I mean, memory is the queen of knowledge. Right. And so the but you don't but no one actually puts it to memory. It's, it's all short term. So not even that. Right. Exactly. This whole movement of teaching to the test. And then we have to have classes that teach you how to take a test. And <laughs> we spend true. weeks and weeks in schools learning how to take a test. Now, fine, if you've never filled out a, you know, a bubble chart or something before and you need to, to have a few moments to learn how to do that and be ready. Um, I, I guess I can understand that. But teaching simply to a test doesn't actually uh, achieve the aim of the students receiving the knowledge uh, that they should be receiving from this study and then growing ultimately in wisdom, right? So if, if we're learning how to think instead of just how to um, parrot back some answers, then we begin to ask greater questions about why. And this is what leads to, you know, for instance, great scientific discoveries in um, really the history of mankind is the ability to ask why and to truly think about creative solutions to problems. And we've seen this within the context of the life of the church as well, that that um, support for uh, innovation in the sense of not just moving forward like Society has to progress. There is this, this attitude that society has to progress. But real answers to mm-hmm. real questions. Is the earth round? Well, how are we going to figure that out? Is it flat? <laughs> and what are we going to do? What kind of, you know, what kind of ways that we can think beyond just the measurable pieces in front of us, right? Beyond just simply quantity in front of us, but mm-hmm. begin to, to engage in really what, what are the higher sciences? Right. And I think, um, like St. Albert Magnus, I mean, he's, uh, one of my favorite saints, and he's so little known. Uh, unfortunately, he was just eclipsed by his his student, who Saint Thomas Aquinas, who's just the master, of course. And but Saint Albert, I mean, the, his biographers will talk about how his love for God is what spurred him into wanting to learn about creation, and so he became a a Renaissance man that we would consider. I mean, he's pre-Renaissance, but uh, better than a Renaissance man. He was a medieval man, and he he studied everything: the stars, the plants, the flow of the water. Um, according to some legends, he built a automaton. It's probably not true, but he, uh, according to some legends, he built an automaton, and it's, it's very much incredible to see that a man who loved God and had 
heaven as his final end and wanted to convert souls, save souls, was also a man who loved creation so much that he wanted to learn everything he could about it. And I think that's like the model of what classical education is trying to do. So let's talk about that for a second. Classical education, what is it and how do we start? And parents are thinking, okay, I kind of like what you're talking about. What's the steps here? Sure. So classical education is really a recapturing of the great works of Western civilization, um, of learning the history of the context of all of Western civilization, what has built societies, what has, has uh, destroyed societies, um, and receiving that great knowledge and treasury and tradition in a context where all knowledge is seen to be as interrelated in God. So really in Catholic classical education, that's where we see it. It's not just a search for the truth with a lowercase t, but for the search for the truth and who we know that that truth is a person that is Jesus Christ. And so in classical education, every single subject area, uh, every single discipline is seen in relation to the whole rather than this narrow specialization. And I think that's that's kind of another problem that pr- plagues our world today is you have to specialize so early. If you want to go into sciences, if you want to be a doctor, well, now you need to take everything possibly STEM that you can in your younger years rather than saying, don't we want a doctor who can think really broadly um, and who can think really deeply and ask greater questions about why. So complete side note, and we're going to get right back on topic, but that what you just said there is something that just drives me nuts. Like my grandfather is uh, pretty sick, and so he's been going to the hospital a lot. And so when we're in the hospital, we, the doctor will come in and we'll ask him a question. He's like, oh, well, that's not my specialty. We have to ask the other doctor. The other doctor comes in, we ask them the question. He's like, answers the question, and we ask him a follow-up. And he's like, oh, I can't answer that question. We have to get the other doctor. And then at the end of the day, you have to talk to 50 doctors to get 10 questions answered. And I'm like, how is it that you guys don't know at least like enough about all of these things to talk about? Like, I get it. You need to be special specialization, especially if you're doing complicated things like brain surgery, heart surgery. But have a general knowledge of just like the whole field, right? Right. And right. that just drives me nuts. But anyway, back to classical education. I just side tangent. Um, the, so the school systems are doing this. And, but the problem is a lot of parents don't have access to this. They're saying, okay, well, the schools around me, the public schools obviously are not doing it. The Catholic schools, maybe there's a couple in my city that are doing it, maybe. So what do, what do parents do if they want to give their kids a classical education? Right. I think there are a couple of different options here. So one, I mean, this is why many families turn to homeschooling. Um, and I think that if you, you know, if that is part of your charism and your decision, your discernment as a family to do that, that can be a very great option to be able to provide access to your children. Um, but also to yourself, if you weren't educated in this way, it's a really, um, a really eye opening and, and, world broadening experience to begin to educate yourself in this way, even as an adult, right? We should still constantly have this life of the mind. So I'd say that's the first part. I say I would say the second part is um, the commitment to Catholic schools. If your children are already in a Catholic school, you can ask the question of, are we doing some of these things in our school? Um, is this part of our curriculum? Are we thinking about adding some of these aspects or moving some of the aspects of our curriculum in this direction? Uh, so I think it's perfectly acceptable to approach your 
uh, your principal or your pastor uh, about this? If there, you don't have a school at all in any nearby area, is there a group of parents together who want to start either a co-op or a school together so that you can pool your resources and, and you know, really uh, not just, it's not just about jumping on the trend, but, but see what's so beautiful about this model of education. Yeah, they, and you, I was talking to, to Dunn, who is uh, at the school, at the cathedral school, and he was telling me that there are, it's kind of right now a movement mm-hmm. among Catholic schools to try to start transitioning over to classical education. Uh, what can you tell me about that? Is that a, a more of a local Houston thing, or is this something national that people are getting steam? This is a, a national trend that we're seeing. Um, there is a, a group called the Institute for Catholic Liberal Education. Liberal just means free in this context, right? So the freeing of the mind um, from this kind of structure of, well, I'm just going to answer some questions and and have a practical approach to everything that I do, but that your mind is free to think broadly, like across all of these dis- different disciplines, right? Like with St. Albert the Great, or if you're talking about somebody, even like Pythagoras was someone who thought across so many different areas. Um, this movement is a national movement. So it began really uh, with a recapturing by a couple of schools in particular of these great ideas uh, about education. It's not just a, a model, but it's a, it's a whole um, kind of way of being and approach to education. And um, these schools, St. Jerome's, uh, for instance, in, in Maryland, and then um, there is a, a couple of other schools across the country really started into this mm. movement um, and founded this group called the Institute for Catholic Liberal Education. There were already movements in other schools, uh, in charter schools and in some public schools towards classical education. And this has really grown. Um, and so we've seen that even in the Houston area uh, with St. Teresa's in Sugarland, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton um, had, has moved to a classical curriculum and there are other schools who are looking at and adopting these methods. So it's really beautiful. Well, praise be to God. Now, the people check out the Cathedral High School. They're, they're a great school at Houston. If you're in the Houston area, it's a, a, an awesome school. But uh, thank you very much, Dr. Katerna. God bless you. God love you. And have a blessed day. Thank you. And that's going to do it for our first hour. Join us in the second hour. We're going to be talking about hell. We're doing the four last things this week. We're talking about hell. Join us. We'll be right back with more Catholic Drive Time right after this. Ever feel like life is just too busy, too much? Constant noise, social ed, traffic, work, paint bills. It just doesn't seem to let up. Well, maybe it's time for a change. God offers us relief and hope. So if you're feeling like you need more peace and less chaos, then find your hope today. Begin at CatholicsComeHome.com. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. What is a patron saint? The classic professions such as soldiers or doctors have patron saints who represent the ideal of soldiering or doctoring. And yet, so many of the trades and crafts on which the modern world depends do not have an ideal figure. There is no patron saint of plumbers, for instance, and G.K. Chesterton says there should be. It would be a revolution, for it would inspire each individual plumber to consider that there was once a perfect being who actually did plumb. In the meantime, what do plumbers and the rest of us do? Chesterton says, Keep before your eyes the supreme adventure of virtue. If you're kind, think of the man who was kinder than you. That's what is meant by having a patron saint. Want more than a minute? Visit us at chesterton.org. 
victory in life, we've got to keep focused on the goal. And the goal is heaven. The key to winning is choosing to do God's will and love others with all you've got. Sacrifice, discipline, and prayer are essential. We gain strength through God's Word. We receive grace from the sacraments. And when we fumble due to sin, and it's going to happen, confession puts us back on the field. So if you haven't been going to Mass Weekly, get back in the game. We're saving your seat on the starting bench this Sunday. Welcome home. I didn't take my faith seriously, which which probably means I, I never really got it to begin with. No, I didn't want to give up sin. I mean, the reason we sin is because sin is fun. But it's, it's self-love sin. But it's amazing with God's grace how easy trying to not sin it really is. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's so good to be on with you today. It's always good to be here with you, despite the fact that the world goes a little bit crazy, right? Despite that fact, it's still good to be here. Now, Rudy's upset with me. He's giving me the, the death glare because he was like, hey, I got some questions for, for Dr. Katerna. I didn't just give you a death stare. I've issued a fatwa against you. Oh, no. That's not good. <laughs> <laughs> and I can take it away if you want. Please do. I, I, can't, I can't have that. <laughs> that, that, that sword of Damocles hanging over my head. It's just, it can't, it can't be. It can't be. You know what this is, though? This is, this is good because it, it shows that we are of one mind. We're of one accord, which our Lord wishes us to be. So true, King. Our Lord so wishes true. us to be of one mind. And we had the same questions. Yeah, Thanks he was. Rudy was like, "Hey, this is the kind of question I have you sitting to me in the chat." I ask her almost verbatim the same <laughs> question, and then I look down at my screen. I'm like, "Oh, Rudy was going to ask that question." <laughs> I was like, "Whoops!" Uh, so there you go, some inside baseball for you about uh, kind of the way our our back end works. We kind of uh, let each other know what questions we're going to ask that way. We don't step on each other's toes, but usually it just succeeds in me. Stepping on Rudy's toes and then realizing immediately afterwards. Ah, that's Darn. okay. <laughs> you do a better job of setting up the question anyway. But I love that conversation. And, and the, uh, I, you know, the, my takeaway is that this classical education that, uh, that Dr. Katerna is, uh, specializing in at her school and many, many other schools are, are, are participating in. It's a really personal way of teaching kids what they need to know. What they need to know to save their soul, what they need to know to, to really kind of interpret the world. And, uh, I think that's really special. It's a very personalized, uh, way of teaching kids instead of, uh, just sending them through a, a machine and hoping that they come out on the other side with the same impression. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Praise be to God. Uh, we'll definitely have to have Dr. Katerna back on and talk about more things. Maybe we'll uh, field questions. If you have a question about classical education, let me know. And maybe we'll invite Dr. Katerna back on and talk about it in a more specific manner. But the conversation for now is the four last things. Uh, week one, we talked, we started a little bit early before Advent because Advent's super short this year. It's, uh, it ends next week. Can you believe it? Christmas? 
is literally 13 days away or 14 days away. And I have not done any Christmas shopping. I don't know about you. But we're meditating upon the four last things because for the four weeks of Advent, typically you would meditate upon death, judgment, hell, and heaven. So this week we're meditating upon hell. And I remember, as always, I'm taking this from Father Von Kocham. He's a Franciscan friar, and he wrote this excellent book on the four last things back in the 17th century. And I highly recommend checking it out. You can get it for free if you look up the four last things um, by Father Von Kocham. There's free versions online. There's audiobook versions on YouTube. Of course, you can buy the book, a physical copy on Amazon if you want, but you can get it for free everywhere. So he talks about hell. And he breaks it up into about eight categories in terms of different sufferings of hell. And it is worth reading in its entirety because we're only going to be able to focus on a couple things here. He starts off by talking about the fires of hell. And he compares it to the fires here on earth. And you think about, mm, think about, have you ever burned yourself before? Over the weekend, I was, I drank a, a cup of hot, hot chocolate. And the hot chocolate is delicious. Hot chocolate is great. It had uh, marshmallows in it and whipped cream. And it's it was good. I was just sipping on it. And I got a little too eager. And I took a big gulp. And that was a major mistake. Because then I burned the palate in my, on the roof of my mouth. And it just hurt for just a moment, though. I just took a, I took a gulp. And it burned. Like, excruciating pain for about one, two seconds. And then the burning sensation stayed. And I couldn't like taste anything the rest of the weekend. Uh, the rest of the weekend, it was kind of ruined my my taste buds. And I was like, ah, oh, gosh darn it. And it was until this morning when I woke up this morning that I didn't really have that sensation of, of or lack there of sens- lack of sensation in my mouth. But then you think about the fires of hell. And think about how much that hurt. Like, have you ever burned your tongue before? Burned your mouth? Maybe you accidentally bumped into my dad he's a fireman and he's burned himself on a number of occasions but one of his worst times he burned himself was actually barbecuing where he accidentally bumped his hand against the grill and it just just for a moment you just touch it and it scourged his hand and he had this massive massive blister on his hand because of it and it was there for months and the pain was there for months think about the fires of hell Father von Kocham, quoting St. Bridget, said, The heat of hellfire is so great that if the whole world were wrapped in flames, the heat of the conflagration would be as nothing in comparison to the fires of hell. That's absolutely incredible to conceive of. Just think about the times that you've been hot, you standing in the sun too long. Think about the times where you overheated, where you may have been near a fire, the fire, the smoke in your eyes, and that hurt, made you cough, made your eyes water, maybe gave you a headache. Think about times where you burned your palate, drank something too hot, hot coffee, spilled some hot coffee on yourself. Think about how horrible that was, how much pain that was, even if it was just, now imagine if that pain lasted for a day, for a week. For a month, for a year, that would be nothing for the length of time in which those flames would be licking your body, 
it's horrible. It's a horrible thing to meditate upon. And many people will say, Adrian, don't talk about hell. You're scaring people away. But you remember our, our lady, when she appeared to the shepherd children of Fatima in 1917, the three children, all under the age, they were all younger than teenagers. What did our lady do? Not only did she talk to them about hell, but she opens up the ground and shows them hell. Where the children said that souls fall to hell like snowflakes. They said they would have died of fright. Would they not have been promised by Our Lady that they would go to heaven? And so, of course, we should meditate upon this. Of course, we should meditate upon hell. If it was good enough for the shepherd children of Fatima, if it was good enough for Our Lady, then it has to be good enough for you and I, no? And if we meditated upon hell, the horrific aspects of hell, maybe, just maybe, we will prevent ourselves from sinning. It is said by the spiritual writers that if you meditate upon the four last things every single day, you will keep yourself from sin. Because think about it. If you think about, if you're thinking, okay, there's a sin I want to commit. But if I do that sin and then I die, I may have the worst possible suffering from for all eternity, or I might be able to get to repent before I die, is the trade-off worth it? That's what you have to ask yourself. Think about it when you commit a crime, right? You think about before you commit a crime, if you're speeding, for instance, you kind of do a cost-benefit analysis. You're like, okay, if I go 60 miles an hour and the speed limit's 55, chances are police are not going to pull me over. I'm not going to get punished. So no big deal. But then if it's like a 40 mile per hour, you're thinking, oh, should I go 80? You're like, oh, well, I might be endangering somebody's life. Also, the chances are if a cop is there, he's probably going to pull me over and I'm going to get a pretty hefty ticket. So cost benefit analysis, I'm not going to go 80. Now think about that with eternity. Before you commit a mortal sin, think about the fires of hell. Think about the hunger and thirst suffered in hell. Father Von Kochem mentions the fact that the hunger and thirst in hell will be like nothing you've ever felt before. I think about a time he mentions where you may have not been able to eat that day. I mean, today, I mean, it's worse than ever before, right? 2023 in comparison to the time of Father Von Kochem. But think about you. I mean, do you skip meals? How many meals have you skipped? Have you ever gone 24 hours without eating? Have you ever gone? What's the longest you've gone without eating? How did you feel? Now, that is, those pangs of hunger, it starts to, fit, to gnaw at you. It takes a lot of discipline to, to not eat. That's why we have a very overweight culture here in the United States. We, we eat constantly. But in hell, you will have no chance to eat. You will have no chance to drink. You will be thirsty if you imagine a time where you were out in the sun and you didn't have access to water and you're just like dying of thirst, you're like, oh, I need, I need some water, I'm dehydrated. We all talk about being dehydrated. Imagine that, but on the worst possible scale where you would never have access to it. And the vile odors of hell, Father Von Kochem talks about that the odors of hell are so bad that he brings up the fact that 
saints like Teresa of Avila, St. Martin, like John Vianney had de- demons appear to them. And when the demons appeared to them, that the stench was so bad that it just singed their nostrils. And he mentions, if one single devil has so disgusting an odor, what can be the stench of hell where there are thousands of devils all together? The stench of hell would be unimaginable. The pool full of stagnant, foul, stinking water for which there's no outlet would be a small, pale comparison to the stench of hell. And think about the what you would hear in hell. The wailing, the gnashing of teeth, the grinding of teeth. The other torments of hell will be horrible. And the company of hell is something that I think is particularly fascinating. Because he mentions here that so many of us will say things, he says ridiculous things like, oh, I can't wait to go to hell because all my friends will be there. Oh, I can't wait to go to hell because that's where all the fun people are. No. In hell, there are no friends. Every single person hates one another. There is no love in hell. And if you see your family there, if your family is there with you, y'all will hate one another and you'll blame each other for your torments. A child would will scream out to their parents, it is your fault for not raising me right. And the parents will accuse the children, it was you for driving me mad. It was you for driving me to be annoyed. There is no friendship in hell. There is no joy in hell. There's no camaraderie in hell. The presence of people you know will only be a greater torment to you. And the last meditation on hell that I'll mention, and there's much more from Father Von Kochem, is on eternity. He thinks of, he says, think about it this way. Imagine how long it would take you if you walked from coast to coast and you pick up a single grain of sand and walk it across the country. He's talking about Europe and drop it onto the other shore. And you do that until every grain of sand be taken from that shore and brought to the other shore. By the time you have finished it, it is a single drop in the bucket of eternity. He says, this is the worst torment from hell. Oh, sort of the loss of the beatific vision. But in terms of physical pain, he said, this is the worst one. Because even a small inconvenience that goes on forever is a great torment. Even good things that go on forever is a torment. Imagine eating ice cream. It's like, oh, I love ice cream. But imagine if you were, were required to eat ice cream constantly, all the time, your entire life. It would be miserable. It would be horrible. But this is not eating ice cream. It's the torments that we mentioned already. The fires, the odor, the stench, the sounds, the hunger, the thirst. These are the things that we must meditate upon during the season of Advent. Looking forward to the coming of the judge, of the just judge who will judge us. So let us be holy. Let us cast away the old man. Let's cast him away and seek God, because the beginning of wisdom is fear of the Lord. Yes, we should love God, and yes, we should do good things because we love God, but a starting place is to avoid it out of fear of hell. So that's the meditation for today. Think about that this week. We're going to go into our fear and trembling game show. Speaking of fear, right? 
Call in 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Call now. We'll take your call. Next week, Meditation on Heaven. Are you feeling lost in a sea of overwhelm? Hi, this is Coach Felicity with Dan Tall Today Coaching Minute. Many people find themselves challenged with overwhelm. Too many things to take care of, too many people to please, too much work to do. And in spite of their best efforts, they continue to fall behind with this overwhelm coming in like a flood. But that's not the abundant life that Jesus wants you to live. That's why Stand Tall Today has experienced professional coaches that will assist you in dialing down that overwhelm. They'll help you get a grasp on where you are and create a plan that enables you to take bite-sized steps of action so you can live an abundant life. Why not take your first step right now? Go to StandTallToday.com and find a coach that is just right for you. Because life is simply too short to stay lost in a sea of overwhelm. This is Coach Felicity with your Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. Over the years, people were treated as less than human because they were a different race, a different faith, or vulnerable. But over time, we must learn that we are all God's children, created in His image, that all human creation has an inalienable right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, a right to love and be loved. So let's cherish the sanctity of life because we know how it feels when others treat us as less than human. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424-877-757-9424. That's the number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes and you could be a winner. And I know you're going to want to win this prize. I know it. So if you want to win this prize, 877-757-9424. Now, what's going on here? Uh, we're playing the Fear and Trembling game show. Here I have... Three Catholic trivia questions. And the trick is, I'm not going to ask you the questions. No, I'm not going to ask you. I'm going to ask Rudy the questions. Rudy is going to give me an answer. It's your job to tell me whether or not Rudy is right or whether or not he is wrong. So even if you just guess, there's a 50-50 chance of you getting the correct answer. So all you have to do is call that number 877-757-9424 and you could be a winner. Now, Rudy... What's the prize this week? Changes. Changes are coming to CDT. That's my uh, cover of David Bowie's Changes, which I think might have been a cover of a different song. Maybe not. I don't know. I have don't no quote idea. me on that. Who's David Bowie? You know, David uh, never, mind. never mind. Forget it. Changes are coming to Catholic Drive. I can't say what they are yet. I can't tell you what mm. they are. Things are coming. Seems suspicious. And... You're going to be finding yourself in a situation where you're not going to be able to actually even see the coffee cup of divine providence. (gasps) I think those days are coming. And so this is one of your last opportunities to get the coffee cup of divine providence replica. No way. Guaranteed by some scholars 
to make your coffee taste 80% better. No kidding. <laughs> Serious. You could put the worst coffee in here and it'll be 80% better. Wow. So if it's a 20% coffee, that's like, oh, this is all like a Folgers. Yeah. Now Folgers ah, is great. Folgers is okay. It's the best part of waking up. If you put a really low quality coffee in here, it'll be baseline in the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence replica. Coffee Cup of Divine Providence, of course, was uh, found in, uh, by an archaeologist, and it is a relic. So we're not giving wow. away the original one, but we're going to give you a replica signed by yours truly and Adrian Fonseca, and uh, you can expect that in the mail. Well, if you would like to win that prize, the number to call is 877-757-9424, one of the last chances to win a Coffee Cup of Divine Providence. There's only a few more left. So if you'd like to win that prize, 877-757-9424. That's the number to call. And I have good news for you because the next person to dial in will, in fact, have the opportunity to be the winner. So that number, 877-757-9424. That's the number. And if you dial in, then we would love to have, give you the opportunity to win that prize on one last time. 877-757-9424. You know what I'm remembering, Rudy? What? I'm remembering that pretty much most people are on winter break already. Oh, that is right. Yeah, it's either last week or this week, depending on where you're at. Must be nice. Yeah, so praise be to God if people are uh, not taking their kids to school today. But if you still have... You're still in the vehicle, still heading in for work today, well, then make sure you call in. We'd love to have you in 877-757-9424. That's the call. That's the number. Call in. And if we don't get a caller, you know what we're going to do? We're going to play the game anywhere, anyway, anywhere, anyway, and then we'll give the prize out to a uh, CDT insider oh. if, we, if we don't get a caller, if we don't get a caller. But if we do get a caller, then we will uh, go straight to the caller in just a moment. But again, if you uh, don't get in today or if you are not able to call in today, make sure you put our contact information into our into our into your our contact information into your phone. That number eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. So mark mark that down, and so we can make sure that we have you on our line so praise be to god uh our phone lines just lit up we just had a ton of people call in so um let's see if we uh, once we get a name for those people we'll introduce them onto the show but thank you everybody called in if you don't get on today well do us a favor and call back in tomorrow because there are five opportunities to win the prize so make sure you call in all right joining us right now is donald good morning to you donald Kim and Tony. Oh, it's Kim and Tony. Oh, praise be to God, Again. Kim and Tony. Thank you very much for calling in. Um, it's good to hear your voice from uh, Rowlett, Texas. Uh, praise be to God. Uh, Kim and Tony, where are you off to this morning? Do y'all still have school? We do. Yep, until the uh, 15th, they were off. Until Ooh, which day? The 15th. The 15th. Okay. So it's this yep. Friday. Which is actually the day yeah. my brother graduates from college. Hey, so there you go. let's go. Oh, yeah, so there you go. So what do you guys got going on for your winter break? Um, his cousin is getting married, so we're having a bridal shower at our house. And our actually, our, his cousin is graduating from college on Saturday. Hey, Sweet. there you go. Praise be to God. 
Well, congratulations on the wedding and the graduation. Um, and I'm expecting what, what? What's on the Christmas list, Tony? Do what? What's on the Christmas uh, list? What's on your Christmas list, Tony? Well, on my uh, Christmas list, I don't think yeah. I have to get like um, uh, a gift card to uh, to the uh, radio. A oh. gift card to the radio. Yeah. Gift card to the radio. Well, uh, there's nothing to to purchase here at the radio station, but uh, we'll be happy to have you come into the radio station what? whenever you want, Tony. Uh, but God bless you guys. You guys are veterans. Y'all know how the game is played. Are you ready to jump into it? We are ready. All right, let's jump into it. Question number one for you, Rudy. The question on the board is: By what name are religion teachers? especially those who teach children called ah yes it's a kind of an endearing term for me actually Mm. i uh enjoy it very much it's um it's kind of imperial some would say really they call them lore masters lore masters lore masters wow they're astute they memorize things sacred lore they, exactly. They know the sacred lore by by heart. Wow. And they could repeat it to you. Noted. All right, Kim and Tony. 15 seconds on the clock. Uh, Rudy, the question is, by what name are religion teachers, especially those who teach children, called? Rudy says they are lore masters because they hold the sacred lore. Uh, what say you, Kim and Tony? All right. Let's see. The survey says... That is correct, Kim and Tony. That is, in fact, correct. The correct answer is a catechist. A catechist Ah, is the correct answer, uh, not lore master. Though that would be kind of cool. Imagine if that's what their title was. Petition to change it. Uh, I'll write to Pope Francis and ask him, Hey, Holy Father, would you mind changing catechist to lore master? I think that would be more entertaining. Uh, See what he says. (laughs) I'll let you know. If he writes me back, I'll let y'all know. All right. Here is a second question. Are y'all ready? Yep. All right. Question number two for you, Rudy. Now, I hope you have been uh, memorizing your liturgical calendar, Rudy. Mm. Because the question is, when is the Feast of the Guardian Angels? The Feast of the Guardian Angels. I completely forgot. It was October 2nd. October 2nd. And if you're like me, dear listener, and you forget about your guardian angel, today's the day. Today's the day you ask for their intercession. Maybe even call me crazy. Maybe you thank them for how often they pray for you and keep you out of harm's way. Today. October 2nd? No. Especially on October 2nd. Oh, okay. Okay. I was about to say, I was like, it's today? We're in October again? uh... I think they should have more than one feast day. Yeah, that'd be great. I think my guardian angel in particular should have a feast day. Everyone else can just like share my guardian angels. But uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go, folks. All right, Kim and Tony, 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, when is the feast of the guardian angels? Rudy says it's October 2nd. What say y'all? Is he right? Is he wrong? Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, uh, what do you think, Tony? I think they'll be wrong. Okay, we're going to say wrong. All right, let's see. Survey says... Oh, Kim Ah. and Tony. 
Unfortunately, well, I mean, fortunately, it is October 2nd. But unfortunately, you <laughs> are wrong. The correct answer was, in fact, October 2nd. But don't worry, guys. There are still... Well, not still. There are. There is still singular. There is still one more opportunity. Are you all ready to jump into the last question here? Yes, question. All right, here it is, Rudy. The question on the board is: Name the Hebrew word for "Oh Lord, save us." We pray. The Hebrew word. Well, I happen to be a Hebrew scholar. Oh, mm-hmm. we got a Father Mitch Pacwa in the house. <laughs> yes, that word. Believe it or not, the word that says, Oh Lord, save us, we pray, is just one word mm-hmm. in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. And it is mm-hmm. Hosanna. Hosanna. Okay. Which, All like, right. when they say Hosanna in the highest, That's what, what does that mean, in the highest? Well, oh Lord, save us, we pray in the highest? Doesn't make any sense. All right. Kim and Tony, 15 seconds on the clock. The question is, name the Hebrew word for, oh, Lord, save us, we pray. Rudy says, it's Hosanna. What say y'all? Um, I think I'm going to say yes. Going to sure. say yes. All right. Let's see. Survey says that is correct. Two for three. Way to go. You guys rocked it. Stay on the line. We'll get your contact information. But God bless you guys. God love you. And we'll hopefully we'll, maybe we'll see y'all soon. Maybe y'all come by the studio during y'all's break. We'd love to see y'all. But God bless you. God love you. Have a blessed day. And that's going to do it for the radio side. If you'd like to join us in the after show, just look up Catholic Drive Time on your favorite social media feed. YouTube, Facebook, Twitter's. And just join us there. We'd love to have you. Just look up Catholic Drive Time. We'd love to interact with you. But if not, we'll see you back here at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network and Catholic Spirit Radio. God bless you. God love you. And remember, Vinny, Vinny, Emmanuel. Come, oh, come, Emmanuel. And I'll see you very soon. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. And... The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. 
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, ever virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Grant, we pray, O Lord, that we may constantly exalt the merits of your martyrs, whom Pope St. Damasus so venerated and loved. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The desert and the parched land will exult. The steppe will rejoice and bloom. They will bloom with abundant flowers and rejoice with joyful song. The glory of Lebanon will be given to them, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the hands that are feeble. Make firm the knees that are weak. Say to those whose hearts are frightened, Be strong, fear not. Here is your God. He comes with vindication, with divine recompense. He comes to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened, the ears of the deaf be cleared. Then will the lamp, the lame leap, like a stag, then the tongue of the mute will sing. Streams will burst forth in the desert and rivers in the steppe. The burning sands will become pools and the thirsty ground springs of water. The abode where jackals lurk will be marsh for the reed and the papyrus. A highway will be there called the Holy Way. No one unclean may pass over it, nor fools go astray on it. No lion will be there, nor beast of prey go upon to be met upon it. It is for those with a journey to make, and on it the redeemed will walk. Those whom the Lord has ransomed will return and enter Zion singing, crowned with everlasting joy. They will meet with joy and gladness. Sorrow and mourning will flee. The word of the Lord. Our God will come to save us. I will hear what God proclaims, the Lord, for he proclaims peace to his people. 
Near indeed is his salvation to those who fear him, glory dwelling in our land. Our God will come to save us. Kindness and truth shall meet, justice and peace shall kiss. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and justice shall look down from heaven. Our God will come to save us. The Lord himself will give his benefits. Our land shall yield its increase. Justice shall walk before him, and salvation along the way of his steps. Our God will come to save us. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. Behold, the King will come, the Lord of the earth, and he himself will lift the yoke of our captivity. Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord. One day, as Jesus was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law, who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, were sitting there, and the power of the Lord was with him for healing. And some men brought on a stretcher a man who was paralyzed. They were trying to bring him in and set him in his presence. But not finding a way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on the stretcher through the tiles into the middle in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, As for you, your sins are forgiven. Then the scribes and Pharisees began to ask themselves, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who but God alone can forgive sins? And Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them in reply, What are you thinking in your hearts? Which is easier, to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And he said to the one who was paralyzed, I say to you, Rise, pick up your stretcher, and go home. He stood up immediately before them, picked up what, had been, what he had been laying on, and went home, glorifying God. Then astonishment seized them all, and they glorified God. And struck with awe, they said, We have seen incredible things today. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The first reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 35, gives us this really astounding image of a desert, a place that's very barren, but then begins all of a sudden to bloom and to rejoice. And in this blossoming, there's a highway, a way, the holy way, that is for those who have, who have a journey to make. And on that journey, they will be protected and they will be crowned with everlasting joy and sorrow and mourning will flee. And of course, that way is the one whom we encounter in the gospel today. As well, in that first reading, it talks about that the blind will see, the, the deaf will hear, and particularly that the lame will stand up and walk, to walk upon this way. It is Jesus who, of course, forgives this man's sins, but then also 
commands him to rise and to walk. And when this man stands up, immediately it says, he picked up what he'd been lying on and went home, glorifying God. What incredible things they had seen, and what incredible things we too see. Particularly, where do we, where do we find this kind of exaltation and rejoicing? I think it happens perhaps much more a much more imperceptible way, that is, within our soul. Each time we go to confession, to have our sins forgiven, it is sin, particularly mortal sin, which makes of our soul a desert, a barren place, where God's grace, of course, does not flower and flourish. But immediately when we go to confession, then it is, there's this bursting forth that happens. Again, much probably more imperceptibly. Sometimes we feel it or we experience it kind of, I say, it overflows into our own, uh, into our body, into our experience, uh, so that we do sort of rise up and rejoice. But oftentimes it is is much more imperceptible. And what it does is it frees us from that paralysis so that we can walk on this holy way. That's what God has called us to, to walk in this holy way. And in his grace, we, in, his, in his presence, in his power, we will be protected. There's one other line in this gospel which is filled, I think, with this energy. And that is when the Pharisees who come from all different places, it says that he, the power of the Lord was with him for healing. It's like there's sort of this energetic, uh, this lightning energy that is within Jesus to be able to heal. Particularly heals us, of course, through forgiveness of our sins, but he also heals us of anything, any paralysis that keeps us one from coming to him and it keeps us from walking in this way. Let us experience the power of that sacrament of reconciliation, but also the power of Jesus to heal. In the gospel yesterday, we heard that there are mountains, that's often mountains of our pride that have to be brought down, and valleys of our weakness that need to be filled in. And the power, the power of Jesus to heal is there for each of us, so that those, that can happen this straight way, this holy way, can happen within our hearts. We can come to meet the Lord, especially in this holy season of Advent. Let us walk this way, brothers and sisters, freed from anything that would keep us from the Lord. This way is for, as it says in that reading, the end, it is for those with a journey to make, and on it the redeemed will walk. Those whom the Lord has ransomed will return and enter Zion singing, crowned with everlasting joy. They will meet with joy and gladness, sorrow and mourning will flee. Dear brothers and sisters, as we seek to prepare our hearts for the coming of the Lord, let us turn to our loving Father with our petitions. Let us pray for the Holy Church of God, that all who follow Christ will heed his call to repentance and be ready to greet him when he returns in glory. Let us pray to the Lord. Let us pray for our world, that it would experience the peace and joy that Christ gives through his reconciliation, let us pray to the Lord. For ourselves, that the gift of Christ's presence in the Eucharist may be a constant reminder to us, uh, to us to share our lives with those we meet. Let us pray to the Lord. For those who are sick, 
troubled or bereaved, that they will be strengthened by the knowledge of Christ's love. Let us pray to the Lord. For those who are paralyzed by sin, may they be freed to glorify God and to walk in the way of holiness. Let us pray to the Lord. We pray for the intentions of those joining us on Guadalupe Radio, online, and all here present, for those who have asked us to pray for them. Let us pray to the Lord. Heavenly Father, you are our strength and our protection. Open our hearts to your grace and lead us to your kingdom through Christ our Lord. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. By the mystery of this water and wine, we come to share in the divinity of Christ, who humbled himself to share in our humanity. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, Fruit of the vine and work of human hands, it will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Accept, we pray, O Lord, these offerings we make, gathered from among your gifts to us. And may what you grant us to celebrate devoutly here below gain for us the prize of eternal redemption through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just our duty and our salvation always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For he assumed at his first coming the lowliness of human flesh and so fulfilled the design you formed long ago and opened for us the way to eternal salvation that when he comes again in glory and majesty and all is at last made manifest, we who watch for that day may inherit the great promise in which now we dare to hope. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, and with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory as without end we acclaim. Holy, holy, holy Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
Hosanna in the highest. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, Lord, we humbly implore you by the same Spirit, gracious make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, save us, Savior of the world. For by your cross and resurrection, you have set us free. Therefore, o Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church, and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself, grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with St. Pope Damasus, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth, with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, the order of bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you have summoned before you, your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. 
At the Savior's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope in the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us peace. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. For those unable to receive communion and those joining us online through Guadalupe Radio, let us pray together the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen.
O Lord Jesus, I adore Thee for the bread of wealth untold, freely given in Thy communion, wonderful a thousandfold, given today in loving bounty, more than my poor soul can hold. Make thou of my soul an orchard, quickened into fruitfulness. Come, O oh, come, life-giving manna, making glad my wilderness, sweeter far than any sweetness tongue can taste or words express. Ah, Lord Jesus, go not from me. Stay, oh, stay with me, my Lord. Make me shrink from whatsoever will not with thy name accord. Act through me in every action. Speak through me in every word. Amen. Let us pray. May these mysteries, O Lord, in which we have participated, profit us, we pray. For even now, as we walk amid passing things, you teach us by them to love the things of heaven and hold fast to what endures through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Redemptoris Mater, Que periat celi porta manes, Et stella maris, Sucure cadenti, Surgere qui curat populo, Tuque genuisti, Natura mirante, to whom sanctum genitorem, Virgo prius ac posterius, Gabrieli sabore, Sumens iludave, Peccatorum miserere. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. 
prayer of deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating the culture of life, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. 